Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be about the answering the question or asking the question, are we going to get any more raids in year three? If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now at saynotorage.com. Uh, I, if you come in, I'm probably live. You can join the conversations. If I'm not live, you can hit follow. Uh, saynotorage.com will bring you right into the channel. Hit like and subscribe on YouTube helps me out as well. So, a lot of people have been asking this question. There's been streamers that have been saying, oh, I think we're getting a raid every season. There have been streamers saying, if we don't get a raid every season or next season or at least a couple more, I'm going to be really upset. I have been a pretty loud voice in the community saying, I highly doubt that we are getting any raids at all beyond Garden of Salvation. I actually think they're going to do more things with challenges each season. The first, it's called the first raid challenge, shows up on November the 5th. I don't know why they're calling it the first. They might just go with Hawthorne and Rotate Bounties. I think it's more likely they're going to do things with Garden of Salvation. Maybe change the encounters, maybe add encounters, maybe add a contest modifier, something like that that you can turn on. There does seem to be some loot missing. The loot pool for Garden of Salvation weapons seems a little sparse. It's very heavy on energy weapons. There's literally no heavy weapons at all. It's like all energy, very few kinetics, and no heavy at all. So that's, I kind of think that's more where they're going to go. And I'm going to try and bolster my argument here by talking about, first, we're going to walk through the pattern. What has the pattern been up to now? Second, we're going to talk about development bandwidth. How much developmental bandwidth do they have? How many things can they make? Uh, A lot of things have changed for them since they since they broke ties with Activision. And lastly, I'm going to talk about the new era of Destiny and the 10%. The new era of Destiny and the 10%. So first, let's just talk about the pattern. If you think about the actual raids that have come out up until now, if you walk through all of them, you've got Vault of Glass, Crota, King's Fall, Wrath of the Machine, Leviathan, the two raid layers that were attached to Leviathan, Last Wish, Scourge of the Past, Crown of Sorrow, and Garden of Salvation. If you kind of walk through that entire sort of history of raids, I think it starts to become clear that small raids weren't as weren't as good, uh, they weren't as favored, like people, people tended to not like them as much uh, as the other raids, and there does seem to be a pattern in there that every time a raid is one year apart from the last, you get a better more sizable, more significant raid, so Vaults of Glass to King's Fall King's Fall to Wrath of the Machine Wrath of the Machine to Leviathan, Leviathan to Last Wish, and Last Wish to Garden of Salvation, all the raids in between, Crota's End, the Raid Layers, Scourge, and Crown of Sorrow are all not terrible they're good, their likes and their dislikes, their pros and their cons are kind of like up and down, like they're kind of the, the, the community generally clamors for the ones that were about a year apart if you ask people what their favorite raids were what the raids they missed the most or ran the most they're generally going to fall on the ones that are one year apart as opposed to the ones that were in between and smaller I think that the year wait is worth it. I would rather wait one year for quality over the quantity. I thought the raid layers were pretty disappointing. Eater of Worlds was basically a jumping puzzle and two encounters in the same room. I thought I thought that Spire of Stars and Crown of Sorrow were good. They were clearly inspired by, you know, Vicarious Visions, which we're going to get into a little bit here. They, they have very similar styles in execution. But I really never felt like going back into them because even if they were fun, their loot pool were smaller we could talk about the quality of the loot separately i do think they need to focus on quality of raid loot so i don't want to bash those raids unfairly i think raids in d2 up to now have had disappointing raid loot in in general but when they're a smaller raid it's like it compounds the problem not only is the raid loot still disappointing 
you know, it's disappointing in all of the raids. They didn't go far enough, I don't think, with unique perks. But, like, it compounds the problem when it's a, it's a smaller raid loot pool. It doesn't feel like aspirational content. It doesn't feel as much like a raid. We have to remember how much help they have had up to this point. Up to this point, they've had a lot of help with development, and I want to talk about that next. Developmental bandwidth. This is something that may not be as apparent to people, but I do think the streamers that are kind of creating a narrative of expectation around raids every season, I think they need to stop, and there's a handful of reasons why. Number one, they I think they know better, <laughs> because if they, if they study the pattern I just outlined and they look at the developmental bandwidth that's been lost, I really think they should be tempering their own expectations, as well as the expectations of the communities that watch them. Vicarious Visions built the entire Warmind DLC as far as we know. That means they also helped with the uh, Spire of Stars raid layer. So they built Warmind, they built Spire, they built Crown of Sorrow and they built Niobe Labs. Those are significant pieces of rhythmic content that were added to bolster things as well as two entire raids like small raids. I mean I don't think you can discount the fact that in the rhythm of raids we outlined, if you subtract Spire of Stars and Crown of Sorrow, the raid list starts to shrink pretty fast. I mean, you're losing you're losing in between raids, and Spire was arguably bigger and better than Eater of Worlds, and I think some people thought Crown of Sorrow was, was bigger and better than Scourge of the Past. I actually like Scourge of the Past. I think that's probably one of the best raids in Destiny 2 prior to Garden of Salvation, but... They Vicarious Visions was doing a lot. They're not doing anything for Destiny anymore. Their swan song was Season of Opulence. That's something else to consider. Vicarious Visions didn't just build Crown of Sorrow. They built and in, they they built DLCs. They built Warmind. They built you know everything that went into Season of Opulence. The boss fights, the menagerie, all of that was Vicarious Visions. Bungie doesn't have those guys anymore. That is really going to take down your bandwidth efficiency of how much you can create and raids are probably some of the more developmentally demanding encounters because there's mechanics, there's boss fights, there's all sorts of things going on and there's six-man encounters. High Moon Studios has also helped with a number of things. We don't know how much. It's not They've not been as vocal as VV was, but High Moon Studios were fairly certain help with Scourge and some of the other drops and some of the other things that were delivered. Somebody in chat said that High Moon Studios built the Tangled Shore, so if they were helping offload some of the workload for Forsaken, again, that's developmental bandwidth that Bungie no longer has right now. They've lost two pieces that they sort of developed that they required their need and help. If you remember the end of Destiny 1, High Moon leaned in, the live team took over so that Bungie could pivot resources and dedication to Destiny 2. So I don't think you can discount how much has changed since they left Activision. To deliver more raids or the same rhythm of raids with less bandwidth just seems unlikely. Like if we're honest and we look at the equation and we just argue from just pure mathematical expectations and probability... You're expecting them to deliver the same rhythm of raids or more raids. I mean, somebody was saying that people were saying a raid every season. I don't see how in the world they could do that. I don't know how you're going to give a greater increase of rhythm of raids with less bandwidth, especially given the two raid layers, you lose one without Vicarious Visions. You, you, you lose Spire of Stars. When you look at Scourge of the Past and Crown of Sorrow, you lose one of those raids without Vicarious Visions. If you look at the rhythm of raids, we're getting if we get a raid beyond Garden, I think it'll be one raid in the spring, because that's the furthest away from this September and next September, and I think it'll be short. I think it'll be like raid layer size, personally. So let's end by talking about the new era and the 10%. The new era of Destiny and the 10%. 
this is a new era for Destiny. I mean, we, it may not include rhythmic raids anymore. We're, we're, we're branching out into a new idea of rhythm, uh, dungeons, hidden exotic quests like Whisper and, and, and Outbreak Perfected. Those require time as well. You've also got to consider that they're, they're going in a more, a, a more rhythmic direction with saying, hey, it's $10 for every season pass. So if you look at the new era that we're going into, I don't know if rhythmic small raids fits into the new setup. I don't know if it's going to be the way that they're going to want to go. They may say you know what no this isn't going to work doing one raid a year is more reasonable you know I, I think that the the one raid every year raids have been traditionally some of the more favored raids whether you like vaults of glass king's fall wrath of the machine those are the three people typically tick off first when you look at destiny 2 the raids that are generally people that are talking the most about are last wish and garden of salvation they're generally more popular within the raiding community and they do help. I'm not going to deny that. Raids help with marketing. It's clear that Bungie likes to use the raids to market the DLC. They're like, come watch the raid. Raid race, raid race, world's first. We got a belt. We got a blog. We got to, you know, commemorate a team and all of that. I don't know. When I think about that, the the time and energy it would take to build a raid uh, and the fact that, the, oh, they're going to do it for the marketing benefit. They're $10 a la carte seasons. I don't know if a $10 a la carte season is the place in the context for revenue, return of investment, and and bandwidth, and all all of that to be poured into a raid for such a small portion of the community. We have to remember that the smallest portion of the community engages with raids on a regular basis, and I don't know if $10 a la carte seasons is the time and place for Bungie to be dedicating so many resources to such a lopsided delivery. I want you to imagine Season of Dawn landing, Vex Offensive gets supplanted by a new a new activity, right? We get a new activity for the season, a seasonal activity to replace Vex Offensive, a new season pass, and then a raid. You know, that would feel lopsided to the lion's share of the community. They might look at that and be like, I paid $10 for this season, and it looks like one-third of the delivery of the content is a raid. Like, I'm not going to even play the raid. I think I don't think that would sit well with the lion's share of the community. I think most people would look at that and say, raids belong in DLCs. The seasons are meant to give deliverable, rhythmic content, things we can engage with in a more casual, but also hardcore. I mean, if you're hardcore and you want to boost your artifact up and do the aspirational content, do the 980s, get the Ascendant Shards, get the really good weapon from the lectern or whatever new stuff is in season of dawn i'm not sure when i look at the there's a couple things i'm looking at here the rhythm of raids up to this point and how much better the ones are that are a year apart the loss of developmental bandwidth and ten dollar a la carte seasons i think a lot of those things are pointing to no raids in year three beyond garden and using the existing assets of garden of salvation for either changing encounters adding encounters doing challenges as well as increasing the size of the loot pool i think that's far more likely as always we're going to do question and answer next if you're listening to this on itunes google play spotify or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now at saynotorage.com. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the question and answer session that followed my talk about answering the question, are we going to get more raids in year three? Is it even a possibility with all the changes that happened at Bungie? If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now at saynotorage.com. Dot com. Say no to rage.com. It'll bring you right to my Twitch channel. If I'm not live, you can click follow on the Twitch channel. That way you can come in and be part of these question answer sessions live. Clay talks with the first question. Do you believe the game will become too complex for new and future players with the changes to mods and moving parts? I would say no, and here's and here's why. Something that Bungie has done a really good job 
with is creating a really, really fun core gameplay loop. You do not need a min-maxed armor loadout system. You do not need to understand why anti-barrier demolitionist and breach refractor is a great combination. Like, I, I finally got the, the role that I wanted today on Loud Lullaby. And don't tell me that I don't need Drop Mag with Outlaw. It's a preference thing. I actually really, really like it. But I wanted an, a, a Drop Mag Outlaw Demolitionist Loud Lullaby so I could run it with Anti-Barrier. You pair that with a Breach Refractor and then you're getting grenades like every five or six trash ad kills, right? It's really, really good. I think in, in more challenging content, harder content, I think 110s with Demolitionists are going to be a go-to strategy for a lot of people because Oppressive Darkness grenades are really, really strong, okay? So... You don't need to know and understand anything I just said to enjoy Destiny. Guns feel good. The world, the ads, the strikes, the missions, the the, the base level content, I believe, is self-explanatory. I believe it's really satisfying. Uh, if you remember in Luke Smith's Director's Cut when he talked about Menagerie and why they were able to do a, ma- a match-made six-man activity, he talked about how the activities teach you how to do them visually. You you just it just you look and you're like oh I gotta do this, and Vex Offensive is a good example of that. You can just kind of go in, shoot the guys, do the things, get the crystals. It's it's very visually educating. You do that a couple of times and you, you feel like an expert. Well, that's low hanging fruit. That's not a raid. That's not a dungeon. That's not a nightfall at 980. It's low hanging fruit, and I think that spectrum is really really important going forward. Whenever you're playing a game like Destiny. The most surprising thing about this game that you probably won't find in a lot of other games is there is an amazing amount of more casual players that don't play as often but they love the game and hardcore players. There's a very unique mix. Back before Destiny 2 even launched, I remember people always asking me, what do you think the biggest challenge for Destiny 2 will be? And I said, appealing to both sides of the player base. If you appeal to me, you put all the casual players on a treadmill that they don't want to be on. That's why a lot of the things that streamers argue for a lot of the times are unhelpful because they get narrow view, they get jaded, they get they get they live in the end game. They eat, breathe and sleep destiny and they really have a hard time splicing that with, well, how can I get what I want without ruining everything for everybody else? And I think Bungie's on a really really good path to bring that to fruition. Uh, Viper Man with a brand new Prime sub. Enjoy your dope badge and emotes, your dope and deserve dope stuff. Uh, enjoy ad-free viewing on the channel. Thank you for using your Prime sub here. Like, the example that I've used lately is, you know, Menagerie scaled really well. A hardcore organized team could burn through Menagerie in seven to eight minutes. That's a more effective loot grind than the casual player who match makes and it takes 20 to 25 minutes. They're, you know, they're struggling. And I use that when I talked about the Nightmare Hunts at Master. Nightmare Hunts at Master are aspirational. They're not meant to be done by everybody. They're not even really meant to be done by a lot of people this early in the season. It's meant to be something you're doing mid to late season that you're working for, you're gearing up for, you're trying to get into the 970s with the artifact and with your loot and everything else and then you're running a synergistic build with your team one divinity three you know three izanagis and you're you're really trying to you know time things and i would say that that spectrum works really really well a more synergistic team can run nightmare hunts at the hardest difficulty and you're getting a better turnover rate of the cores the fragments and the essences giving you a quicker turnover rate on the guns a more casual player can't do that but they still can do the grind they can still get the fragments they can still get the essences they can still get the guns and I think that's one of the most important things to to see right now um, is that you're you're getting you're getting a game that's more about spectrum than it is about is it a hardcore game or not 
And so when you're like, oh, what about new players? I think new players have tons of inroads to enjoy and hardcore players have tons of depth to invest in tons of depth to invest in. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too concerned about new, you know, new players coming in. Um, PhD, your question got through. Do you think we could see something like that? We might need a mod to help out here because when it says error connecting to remote server, the question still got through. When you get the response must be less than 400 characters, those are not getting through. So Ali Alman's question didn't get through, but PhDJ's question got through. So um, you may just need to, I, 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 if, a, if a mod can step in, I don't know if a mod is available to say, Hey, yeah, your question got through. So people don't start spamming the frick out of the form thinking they need to submit their question multiple times. Uh, Forza says with the focus being on getting 960 power level so that you're able to farm 980 activities in search of armor rolls. Wouldn't a master garden of salvation fit perfectly into this new system? I'm curious about what they have planned for Garden of Salvation. I touched on this briefly in my video that we just did that I see it being a more likely result of raid philosophy, well, not raid philosophy, but raid delivery. You know, what raid content are we getting beyond Garden? I think it's more likely that they use existing assets, the raid itself, uh, new encounters, contest modifier, challenges, etc., I think they're going to do more with Garden. I think that's more likely than us getting a bunch of raid layers. Because Garden feels really big. There does feel like areas that we we, we could maybe go to and get into fights. Um, you know, just transitional areas. I feel like whenever you, you run through the opener, that's clearly one encounter. And then you have the transition area with, you know, the blocks and the leaves. But once you get to the area with like the everybody calls it like the teleporting one you do that and then you fight the boss after that I feel like there's a lot of places that we could go there seems to be a lot of space in there and I I don't know they could add other encounters when I first came up to the waterfall area and saw the statues I thought oh this is where we're going to fight and there's nothing there um, that could be an encounter. There's harpies there. I mean, there could be something going on there. There could be an encounter. There could be a mini boss. There could be a fight. I don't know. Challenges could change the fight. Contest modifier version could launch where you basically up the delta and it's 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 more challenging and you you go in and have a reason to turn on contest modifier because contest modifier basically always ups the 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 feel of the the feel of the raid. It 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 kind of changes the way that the, the flow goes because it's you, you can't just mindless a lot of the fights you can't be so mindless anymore especially the last fight because you're taking so much damage uh, levitate green if they did a raid layer for garden of salvation what do you think they do if they do a raid layer I, I, I wonder if we could elaborate on what I was just saying you would maybe even man what if they did that that would be that would be a trip wouldn't it what if they did layers in the form of versions where there's a garden of salvation version where the boss fights change but you're going through the same raid you would literally do the opener where you're chasing and it would be a completely different fight and then you would go into the area with the teleporters and it would be a completely different fight 
so the 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 rooms would stay the same but they would adjust the mechanics within the rooms so you would literally take your you know you take your little director you'd go to the moon and you'd highlight garden of salvation and it would look kind of like this you'd come over here and click this and you would see a different versions and the actual fights would change i don't know about modifiers but that could be how they do raid layers in garden no new area you're not going to the leviathan and then going down underneath and going to brand new areas like we did with eater and spire they could save an awful lot of time they could save an awful lot of time and energy by just reusing those areas now people might be like reskin 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 i think the raiding community is a little bit more uh forgiving of stuff like that i also think that it would really just depend on the loot incentive. If the loot incentive is strong enough, then I don't think people would really give a crap. You would just go in, learn the encounters, and burn it down. I don't know if Bungie would roll that dice, though. I really don't. Because that's kind of like when we talked about, I think it was yesterday. You know, why doesn't Bungie bring back the old raids? Anytime they're spending development bandwidth, time, and energy on something that's going to be sold... If it even smells of reskin, they're probably really, really hesitant to do that. So if Season of Dawn rolls around and people read the details, they're like, wait a minute, you're just doing, you're just, you're, you're charging us for this thing you're changing in Garden of Salvation? That would have to be maybe even free seasonal content. Like if there was a contest modifier, if there was a different version, if there was, you know, these challenges and stuff, I would think that maybe that would be free as long as you own Shadowkeep. Because when you bought Shadowkeep, you got Garden. They would need to be really careful with that, because that can be a big turnoff for people when they feel like, I don't understand, I, I'm buying content and I'm getting reskin. Like, people generally don't like that. Sir French a lot. How do you get Izanagi's Burden after Black Armor? It's getting fixed on Tuesday. Uh, that's that's a patch coming this Tuesday. All Wheezy. Do you think one raid layer-sized raid and one Garden of Salvation-sized raid a year is a decent compromise? By year, I mean October one year to next October. Right, 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 right. One year in between, you know, one year to the big ones and then a little raid in between. That's essentially what we got in year one of Destiny 1. You got Vaults of Glass and then you got Crota and then you got King's Fall. So two of the more two of the more memorable raids from Destiny 1, Vaults of Glass and King's Fall, were separated by a year and in between them was essentially a raid layer, Crota. Crota was basically a raid layer because you had lamps, you had four encounters. You had lamps, you had the bridge, and then you had the two encounters in Crota's throne room. You had the Death Singer and then Crota himself. Um, and, de- and and the lamps, you know, was, was cool, but arguably, once you knew what to do, it was literally just, you were just walking and killing Thrall, and at the end, you know, some, some ogres show up. So openers are always pretty basic, and then after that, like, the bridge was a little bit more complex, and then once you get on the other end of all of that, and you go to the the Death Singer room and, and, and the, you know, Crotus Throne room. But essentially, that's what it felt like. It felt like Vogue, kind of a raid layer, King's Fall. Now, does that prove that they can do that? Does it prove, hey, they can do a raid, a raid layer, and a big raid? It might prove that. I don't know. The, the Vault of Glass, Crota, King's Fall Rhythm may prove that they could do something in the spring, which has been my that's been my prediction, is that if we do get anything, it's either going to have something to do with Garden of Salvation, or it'll be a raid layer sized raid in the spring, and that'd be it. Um, I think anything beyond that is just completely just foolhardy. I just I don't see how Bungie could make more raids with less development time, with less development bandwidth. They have less people. 
to build the stuff that used to be being built by these other companies and I don't know how they would crank out more than that because if they built I if they built Eater of Worlds that means they built Leviathan and then Eater of Worlds and then Last Wish so they did two pretty good sized raids with one really small raid layer in between Eater of Worlds is probably the smallest raid in all of Destiny ever ever you compare it to every single raid Eater's the smallest and I, there are probably strikes that are bigger than Eater of Worlds as far as like actual geographic like physical length and size um so th- that could be the rhythm um and I would be okay with any of it I would be okay with them saying we're gonna just focus on doing one good raid a year and then iterating on that raid cause think about why it wasn't that big of a deal that we waited Vogue King's Fall Wrath why? there was a hard mode and then there was challenges that came out and I think that means they got more capital out of King's Fall. The whole here's normal and then we're done thing. I just I think that needs to go away. I think they need to capitalize on contest modifier. I think they need to capitalize on challenges. Uh, I think they need to get more life out of one raid. Um, and I think they should consider doing like letting us run it more than three times a week. That would keep the raids more vibrant for longer periods. I think people get burned out. I think people give up. Um, you know they tend to move on pretty fast from raids demule 84 spire of stars eater of worlds didn't fit uh their season of content in the story arc for the next year uh, if the story arc for the next year is more congruent would raid layer type content make more sense than what we got in d2 year one um i would say i would say that they're supposed to be tying everything together each you know season to season and Luke Smith seemed to indicate that that was going to have more of an effect on the world and the activities in the world. And I feel like raids are kind of like always over here. I mean, even in Shadowkeep, Garden of Salvation is just kind of like over here. I mean, you could be like, oh, but there's Vex invasions on the moon. Yeah, but they have nothing to do with Shadowkeep. They have nothing to do with the triangle ships with Eris Moore and the nightmares, nothing. It's completely separate. Uh, so... I kind of feel like they could do that again. Um, and yeah, and truth be told, Spire of Stars and Eater of Worlds was a continuation of Callus's story. Callus shows up in the Leviathan, starts eating Nessus, and then it ends up, you end up fighting something that he pulled into the, into the Leviathan and Eater of Worlds. And then somebody from the Red, uh, somebody from the Cabal shows up in Spire of Stars trying to attack the Leviathan. Shadowhunter with seven months. I want more dungeons, but I don't know how much easier they are than raids. Yeah, I don't know if dungeons are easier to develop than raids. I think dungeons, in some respects, might be more challenging. Um, I think I think dungeons can pose. Uh, in some respects, they might be more challenging because it's they're they're smaller. Three man stuff might be a little bit more complex and nuanced. So it's like, hey, uh, you know, we're doing we're doing a. We're doing a three-man activity. Well, they might have to throw less at you, be a little bit more careful. I don't know. It could be easier. It seems like the rhythm that they're going for is a DLC lands. It has a new area, a raid, a dungeon, you know, new activities and loot pools, and then there's a part of it that goes away, and then that's like the carousel for the season. I'm sorry, the season's after. The carousel rotation for the year, you know? The real jabby 
are there mechanics you'd like to see more often in raids as they are delivered not necessarily no I don't have like I never have I don't really do this I don't have like a laundry list of things that um that I want to see in raids I don't really do that I want to see more raids like King's Fall and Wrath I want to see those two raids impact raid design more than the relay race revive timer stuff we do now um I like Garden of Salvation, but I'm kind of like, okay, enough is enough. Every raid doesn't need to be a dadgum relay race where everybody's handing something to the next, handing something to the next, handing something to the next. Like, we've done that enough. Can we do something else now? Like, can we do something that is, you know, more intense, that is more battle-driven, that is more clutchable, um, you know? Cold Heart. Off topic, if you look at the list of mods you could see before Shadowkeep dropped... You can see a trace rifle scavenger reload. Uh, there is that is not there is not in the game now. If you think about it, does it make sense for those mods to be for exotic only? Do you think this means we will get legendary trace rifles in a future season? Um, you know, I honestly don't know. I wouldn't think that they would. I I would be surprised if they held on to that. If they're doing if they're doing a legendary trace rifle, if they're doing, you know. What else did you say? Trace rifle for scavenger and reload. Yeah, if they're doing legendary trace rifles or more trace rifles, and then they're going to have mods for them in the you know in fu- in the future, uh, I, I guess they probably would want to hold that outside of Shadow Keep because they're they're going to have to there's going to have to be something that drives you into the new season and into the new content, new potential synergies, new potential everything. Um, Auto rifle mods work. I think that list was bogus. Oh, so people in chat are saying auto rifle mods do affect trace rifles. So yeah, maybe that's maybe that's another data mind or a list that's not that's not reliable. Slaying. If what you're saying is true, would you pay more during the year for another raid, giving them more money for infrastructure to have a second raid building team? Do you think the community would? No, they wouldn't. People don't like feeling like they're being nickeled and dimed. I would have no problem saying, how do you even promote that and market that, first of all? Like, I have no problem giving Bungie money if it means I get more content, but like, how do you even say that? Hey, uh, we'd really like to expand. Could you give us more money to fund that? Um, I don't I don't even know how in the world you would promote that. But and the, and the community wouldn't be okay with it. They'd be like, "We gave you money, build what you can with it, and then, and then sell it. Don't ask for more money so you can build another raid." Um, and again, it's being brought up in chat. Raids appeal to a very small percentage of the community, so you're asking like a, minor, a minority in the community to give money for content that we. We, we're not paying for content in a transactional way. That's like a freaking Kickstarter. I don't think Bungie should be starting Kickstarters for raid teams. I just don't think that would go over very well. The Lamillion. Do you think as a start to make raid weapons more unique, Bungie should do with D2 raid weapons what they did with Vog raid weapons, how they did more damage to Vex enemies, like Midnight Coup doing more damage to Cabal and Pro- What? <laughs> Oh, are you using that as an example? I was like, Midnight Coup doesn't do more damage to Cabal. Prophet of Doom doing more damage to Vax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. I don't know if they would want to do this because th- those are such... 
I that feels like if you want my honest opinion on that, that feels weak for a raid weapon. I think raid weapons need to be significantly cooler than like, hey, it does a little extra damage to Cabal. You know, it does a little extra damage to the Vex. Um, I don't know. I I want something cooler than that. That doesn't seem that cool. That seems passive. Like, it's just like a passive ability. And it doesn't really affect my gameplay. I know that we always go to the Genesis chain as our example. A lot of people are like, it wasn't even that great of a weapon, right? Okay, but it felt cool and it looked and felt like I couldn't get this gun anywhere else. You know, those were extra perks. I know. I don't think intrinsic perks like that are going to do anything. If suddenly every gun you got from Garden did did more damage to Vex, I don't really care about that. I want better perk combinations. I if if this is what we ask Bungie for, I feel like we're letting them off the hook. We're letting them off the hook. Like, man, raid weapons have been a bit of a dud in D2. I've got an idea. Put intrinsic, you know, increased damage to Vex on there. No, whoa, slow down. That's not good enough. We want better perks. We want better perks energy. We want, you know maybe even curated roles that are are unique and all, like you can't get them anywhere else I, you know we had that already in mods yeah I, yeah like the scout with double triple from wrath yeah focus firefly double triple like things like that so even if you maybe aren't a fan of the weapon or the weapon is like it's good but it's not amazing like a raid weapon as long as it's good and solid and unique i think a lot of people would accept that you don't need to like paint yourself in a corner and make every single raid weapon god tier top shelf so every once you get all the guns from the raid you're kind of done with destiny it doesn't need to be that extreme but it just feels like a punt to say hey you guys really haven't done a good job with raid weapons and be like oh don't worry we got to we, we're really going to make them amazing next season and we're like oh what are you doing like we're going to give them intrinsic perks to do more damage to the vex or the cabal i'd be like okay that's like a start but that's not enough Baron of Grey Matter. With Bungie changing philosophy to a changing, evolving world, uh, what uh, could they apply the same philosophy to a raid with new encounters in the same raid? Yeah, we just kind of tossed this ball around a little bit ago if you weren't here. The idea was, well, a raid layer is separate. What if they did layers in Garden of Salvation, use the same rooms, and just completely change the encounters? I could, I could see them doing something like, oh, you know, I got an idea. Let's just use that room again. We, we kind of already addressed that. I could see them doing that. Sir Dancelot, what if the plan going forward is reusing existing mechanics in the new content, like how the Menagerie had a simple version of Leviathan mechanics to free up resources to work on raids? Somebody asked something similar to this, like, oh, they could just use existing places, existing mechanics, and then that's a way to give us another raid. I'm not going to say that they wouldn't do that. I'm just... Again, I'm going to come back to a couple of things anytime a question like this comes up. Number one, there's a clear pattern that Bungie creates one good raid a year and one really, really small raid every year. Okay? Take that pattern, add to the equation that they have less developmental bandwidth now. They no longer have Vicarious Visions building things like Warmind, Spire of Stars, Niobe Labs, Crown of Sorrow, Opulence, Menagerie. Those are all things Vicarious Visions. Just Vicarious Visions built. Okay, they don't have that anymore. So you add that to the equation. Then add to the equation that Season Pass is $10. And 
we don't know how much we're getting in the season pass. This might make it feel really lopsided, as I said before, in the interlude. If Bungie's like, hey, season of season of Dawn marketing, here's everything you're getting. If it sort of looks like, oh, we're getting an activity to replace Vex Offensive and a raid, that's the main PvE offering. It's counterintuitive, but I feel like that might devalue the season pass for a majority of the community. They'd be like, I'm spending $10, I'm coming back for Season of Dawn, and half of what you're offering is a raid. Now, I think Bungie's smarter than that. I don't think they would obviously have like a calendar set up to make it look like some poultry offering of like, here's a new activity, and then uh, we'll launch a raid, and then that'll be it. See you in the spring. Like, I don't think Bungie would do that, but I also don't know just how substantive every season can be. Luke Smith seemed to indicate that the previous annual pass rhythm was really, really hard on Bungie, and if we're getting the same or less than what we got in the annual pass, I don't see a whole lot of room for raids. Because they just, they they have less bandwidth, you know? B-Rush. Do you see Bungie hiring more people to bolster their roster? If, uh... Uh, a roster of devs to try to bring the content out in greater volume man that's expensive dude we've been talking about the eververse and margins and and profitability of a company bungee size and their specialized roles so if you want to start a brand new team let's say you want to get a 10 person team you want to hire them and they're going to build raids there is so much that goes into that number one each of those people are easily going to be close to six figure salaries if they're if they're a specialized development role in 2019-2020 they're easily making close to six figures so you got to hire 10 people close to six figures then you got to train them on how to interact with your dev tools your you got to have good vision transfer so they understand what raid you know what raid design looks like then you need a project lead or a team lead the team lead's going to be making his own money um you do all of that and you're doing that on a on a non-published game it's itself it's, it's independent they're independent now so they can't just like start, start writing those fat checks being like i got an idea let's start a brand new department and you know 10 people close to you know 10 people close to six figures like I, that just gets really really expensive whenever you're you're hiring people for a company like this you're not hiring a bunch of managers at $50,000 a year you're, fi- you're 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 hiring specialized you know trained role you're you're filling your roster like you're not it just it's very very different it's very different and it's in and then there'd have to be measurable roi on that okay if we hire this department and we spend all this money what are they going to crank out oh they're going to crank out a raid in six to eight months that we can use as a raid layer next year sometime or something great how much is that going to affect purchases on that season pass if it's not going to affect it to, to a measurable degree, then you just spend a ton of money on content that 10% of the community will run regularly and potentially doesn't drive any increase in sales. That's risky. Uh, Leaner, do you think we'll get more dungeons to compensate for having less raids? This is another area where I just don't think they're going to spend a disproportionate amount of time, bandwidth, money, resources, or energy on this. Like, dungeons are great. One dungeon per big DLC. I mean, they did the dungeon for Forsaken in the Dreaming City, and then they didn't do any more. And I, you know, they did the they did the Outbreak Perfected mission, which isn't really a dungeon, but I mean, it's challenging content. But I don't know. I think there's a, I think there's a, 
there's a rhythm to this content for a reason. If you want it to be really, really good, it's going to take time. And Bungie's not necessarily going to going to be, you know, creating content for the 10% in large measure every single season. It's a balancing act. It is a balancing act. They got to be like, okay, hardcores are going to want to go for, you know, level 10 armor, you know, min-maxing, perks, god rolls, like, all of that. And then, even within the hardcore community, there's a small percentage that really wants to raid on a regular basis. So they gotta make sure we all kinda have what we want without an overemphasis of, like, oh, we really, really, really need to bolster the end game. You know? Skokterok. Since the roadmap labels it as the first raid challenge, does this lead you to believe we will get a challenge every season until next year, especially since there are four challenges total? Is that in the is that in the triumphs? If that's in the triumphs, then that really lines up with something that uh, that I said. I said I would they would do one challenge a season. Um, I don't know if they have them in here. I don't know where that would even be. Um, I the revelry the dawning upcoming where are those triumphs it's in vanguard raids okay vanguard raids garden of salvation we've got a handful here okay complete all raid encounters blah 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 blah. okay so we have complete the 0 to 100 challenge complete the to the top challenge complete a link to the chain challenge and then Summon the Consecrated Mind without tethering to a relay while enlightened. Escape the Consecrated Mind while allowing other players with Voltaic Overflow to tether. Defeat the Consecrated Mind without allowing any player to, with a relay buff to kill a combatant. Defeat the Sanctified Mind after killing 20 enemies with Vex uh, Instantiation? What is that? Defeat the Sanctified Mind after killing 20 enemies with Vex Instantiation? I don't know. First page, bottom left, is there another one? Oh, the Divinity? Complete all raid encounters with a fire team of a... Oh, same class. So it's Consecrated Mind and... It's Consecrated Mind twice, then it's Consecrated, and then it's Sanctified. Uh, Complete all encounters... Without a member of your team dying? Oh, my word. Uh, complete the staying alive challenge. Oh, there's another challenge here. So the staying alive challenge. Okay, that's one. And then there's these three here. The, here's the thing, though. These challenges are all for Garden of Salvation. Here's the interesting thing. If staying alive is the first one, a link to the chain to the top and then 0 to 100. I would think... <sighs> these just sound like the bounties, chat. These just sound like What's-Her-Face's bounties. Like, she had them for last wish, didn't she? Yeah, complete the Keep Out Challenge. Complete the Coliseum Champion Challenge for last week. You know, the Strength of Memory Challenge. Oh, last wish, I'm sorry. Forever Fight. Summoning Ritual. I... I have a feeling these might just be bounties with with um it might just be bounties with what's her face uh with Hawthorne and one per season I don't know once these start they're on a weekly rotation 
and four kind of lines up really well because this would be this one right here let's just say leftovers is the first one leftovers would be november the 5th and then this one would be november the 12th this one would be november the 19th and then this one would be november the 26th and then basically we're done because as soon as december hits we're getting ready for the next we're getting ready for the next season I wouldn't be surprised if the first the first ch- the first challenge lands November 5th if that's the first of the four over a four week period of time that ends essentially the season. I know we were saying different than that. We were saying oh it'll be a challenge per season. They'll be pretty significant. I, I don't know. These just seem like the ones we've already seen that you get from Hawthorne. Um, complete both hands total victory. I mean she's had challenges for every single one. Um Given that there's four and it lands on November 5th, I think this gets us all the way to the end of November and then December hits and we're ready to, 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 to launch into Season of Dawn and the Dawning and all of that. Um, I'm pretty, pretty pretty sure Chronosaur had his first weekly challenge kickoff on the roadmap. Oh, did it? Yeah. And there was, what, Limited Blessings Challenge? I think I did. we did complete every encounter with no Guardian receiving the Witch's debuff. Oh, okay. Um, oh, well, I get, I got something from here. Oh, Crown of Sorrow completed. Yeah. Um, I wish I could see, oh, I can probably see this shader. This shader is called Ancient Defender. I'm kind of curious what that looks like. Yeah, I, uh, I would think, I would think that it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a seasonal thing. It's a weekly thing. Ancient Defender is arguably a terrible shader. I mean, it looks cool on this gun, but man, I can't imagine going for flawless and getting something like that. It barely does anything to the armor, like, at all. This is raid armor, too. Like, it doesn't doesn't seem to do much. Uh, Ancient Defender. Ancient Believer. Um, Ancient Believer looks cooler. I wonder what we get that for. Um, is that a random drop? Ancient Believer? In any, in any case, in any case, there's a pretty set pattern here. Um, there's a pretty set pattern here, and it's it it seems like the set pattern is challenges start, they rotate weekly. Uh, when they rotate weekly, you you get you know one per week. There's no it's it's not a it's it's not a seasonal thing. Um, which is a bit of a bummer because I know we saw them. We thought, oh, first raid challenge. That's you know, that's a pretty interesting thing to say. You know, to put it that way, to say, you know, it's the it's the first. But given all the others had multiples as well, they just rotated them in Hawthor, and that's more than likely uh, how they're going to swing it. So I wouldn't I wouldn't get your hopes up, chat. Uh, and I know I might have contributed a little bit to some of you maybe getting your hopes up. Uh, and you know, that was that was a shared thing, right? I was kind of hoping that they were going to do more. And again, that's also in line with me saying no more raids the rest of the year. So it could be one of those things where I'm wrong at two levels. Maybe we are getting more raids uh, every year and maybe we're getting, you know, the challenges as a way to round out Garden of Salvation. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, next question from... Uh, it's for your protection. Isn't the raid team separate entity so their resources wouldn't change, correct? Bungie just can't throw extra uh, to help unlike before. Right, like, that's the thing. People are like, oh, well, they'll have more resources. They'll have more people. As you're saying, and I kind of made this point already. I think I said that's to Eugene. 
just because you get more resources doesn't mean you suddenly have a larger raid team or another raid team, right? It's it's not it's not a it's not a sudden influx of people that can even help on the raids. Even if you free up, that was like somebody that said, "Oh, well, they could del- they could delete and remove stuff, and then that will get more stuff because of it." And it's like just because you delete stuff in the game doesn't mean you're automatically going to get new stuff. Um, that doesn't that doesn't actually that doesn't actually work. I would think there would be a whole lot more uh, to it than that, especially especially for raids. More than anything for raids, because raids it's a specific team and they're doing they're doing something very very specific. It's not the weapon team or a cosmetic team or a world building team. It's every encounter kind of leading to the next and having one overarching uh, theme one overarching theme, one overarching feel and mechanics being reused and you know, there's a lot there's a lot that goes into the look and feel of a raid. It's not just a strike, it's not just a, you know, a public space. The Guardians 777 off topic but based off the YouTube video you posted today, are most of the complaints about Eververse null and void due to the fact that all repeatable bounties give you bright dust at an unlimited capacity? I just, I really think a lot of people are, I think the people that are complaining about Eververse on Reddit fall into three camps, okay? I think there are people that just generally want to see more earnable loot in the game, and every time they see Eververse, they're just kind of like, man, that's stuff that you could have made earnable. And they're generally pretty reasonable people. These people don't get crazy, they don't say mean things, they're not disrespectful jerks. And, you know, they're just kind of like, you know, I, I just, every time I see the Eververse get more stuff, I'm thinking, Dad Gummit, couldn't you have given that to somebody else? Couldn't you have given that to Zavala? Like, and I respect these people's position, even though I think it's not really in line with what Bungie's supposed to do right now with respect to, you know, monetization. Okay? So... That's the first category. Unfortunately, I think that first category gets drowned out or lumped in with the other idiots in the room. Okay? I think those people are well-meaning. They're just kind of like, you know what? Come on. I just You couldn't have put that in the raid. You couldn't have put that in strikes. And they're well-meaning. They're respectful. They're nice. And unfortunately, I think they may have good input that gets drowned out by all the other dingbats in the room. And these are the other two categories. The people in the middle are misinformed and easily angered. Like, they hear things and they say things that are just misguided or misinformed. They're like, you know, there's more stuff in the Eververse than the rest of the game, and I can't believe they're doing this. And then you tell them, like, oh, well, you can get everything with Bright Dust. And like, yeah, but it's still, I just don't like it. They're just misinformed and they're easily angered. And these people generally are, they're harmless, but they just add to the fire, okay? And then there's the last category, okay? You got the first people that are well-meaning, you got the people in the middle that are generally just kind of misinformed and easily angered. And then the last category are just douchebag hater idiots that just go onto the internet to spew stupidity. They're like, they don't even play Destiny, or they barely play Destiny, or they're just in the dead game lull crowd. Like, that crowd is everywhere. They la- they, they latch onto twi- t- uh, Twitter uh, threads, they latch onto forum posts, Reddit, they latch onto streams, and they just want to spew stupidity. And so a lot of those people will go onto the forums and just be like, just, you know, Bungie's so greedy and corrupt and scummy and I can't believe they're doing this. I thought we were- things were supposed to get better. After- they're not even playing the game probably. They're just some two brain-celled idiot that just spews stupidity on the internet. Like, and I think those people, unfortunately, hijack any good conversation that could be had about the Eververse. 
you know, if there's people that mean well that are like, Bungie, why don't you do seasonal ranks with all the NPCs? And a lot of these sparrows and ghosts could be really, really long burn seasonal grinds that would be really, really tough to earn. But if I really set my sights on one on some planet, maybe I could get an exotic sparrow from the EDZ, but not from every planet. And then that makes every planet somewhat relevant and also just puts those things on everybody's radar. And then it's sold for, you know, it's sold for silver and or bright dust. Well, that's a conversation that we can't really even have. Because people, the, the the uninformed and easily angered, and then the trollish idiots, they just hijack any thread about the, about the Eververse. Anytime anybody talks about it, they just hijack it. Like, you should have seen the people that responded to my tweet. Hey guys, just want to let you know, Bungie confirmed these really dope armor sets from, season, from Festival of the Lost. They'll be purchasable, purchasable with both Bright Dust and Silver. And people don't even read the tweet. They just reply and say something ignorant and stupid. They don't even read the tweet. Oh, there you go again. Money hunger. And it's like, wait, this is actually a good thing. Like, you can earn them if you want them. As you say in your question, you can do the repeatable bounties over and over and over again. The one guy corrected somebody. He was either on Twitter or Reddit. And he was like, do you realize how much bright dust you can earn if you really, really dedicate yourself to it? Like, you can actually earn a decent amount of bright dust. It just keep doing the repeatables. Grab them every time you can. Like, stack up and, and buy what you want. It's not as, it's not like they're not strangling you. But it doesn't matter. Again, a well-meaning person in the room gets completely overshadowed with, the you know, the, 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 both the brain dead and the ignorant guys in the corner that are just, you know, spewing nonsense about the Eververse. And then unfortunately, this guy's like, well, I've got stuff I'd like to say, but I don't want to get lumped in with these two knuckleheads, so I'm just not going to say anything. You know, you can easily earn 100 bright dust in 30 minutes. Right, let's say you can average 200 bright dust an hour. I mean, if you play for two hours a night, right? If you play for two hours a night and you can get 400 bright dust a day, I mean, come on, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. On average, let's what, what's what's I, mean, I know bright dust is, is is costly. I know when you come in here, it's expensive. You know, two thousand five hundred for this uh, blood runner. I mean, you could you could conceivably earn and buy every single time something like this shows up. You could buy that every week if you're doing your bounties. That's not bad at all. Again, nobody talks about that though. Everybody gets caught up in in the in the in the pomp and circumstance and the fireworks. If you're doing your weeklies and your repeatables, you're going to be able to buy whatever's sitting here practically every week. The 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 the, the shaders are only forty, and the the transmat effects. I don't think people really care about. Let's be honest. Nobody's really like saving their pennies for a transmat effect, even though that's that that's pretty cool. I have to admit the shrieker the shriek the, the, the sh- I'm buying it. The shrieker's pretty cool. I, I'll admit that. Um, but you know, ghost projections and everything else. I just think in general, I, I think most people are probably going into the store and, and looking at the sparrows and the ships and the ghosts most of the time. And obviously the ornaments, I know, I know the ornaments are, are pretty coveted because they do, they do make your, your guns look pretty cool. Oh my gosh. Gimme. Um, they do. I forgot. I forgot about the, the, the lion shoulders for the Titan. Holy frick. Um, 
you know they they do make you look they do make you look pretty cool i i the the, the titan armor this season oh my gosh that looks absurd with this current this current build but uh we'll have to just watch each week and try and buy each each individual armor piece with bright dust uh because i really like those lions those are so those are so hot <laughs> in any, in any case in any case I think your question is 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 great. I, I think that most people are really really missing the mark and not seeing just how easy it is. Um, that looks really funny since it's all three me. <laughs> that looks really funny since it's just me. It's my character three times. <laughs> Look at him standing there. Look at him just standing there. <laughs> it's like. It's kind of like in I Am Legend when he goes in the room and all the dudes are just standing there, like kind of like shaking in a circle. It's a little, it's it's this low level, um, creepy. So yeah, I would encourage you if the Eververse is frustrating you, I would spend a week. If the Eververse is frustrating you, I would spend a week grabbing your weeklies, always grabbing repeatables, grinding it out, and just write down how much bright dust you have on this Tuesday. One week later, how much bright dust do you have? Just to see. Just to see. How restrictive is it? How painful is it? And you might start to see, you know what? Man, this is actually a really, really, a really, really player respecting environment. This is not bad at all. If I'm intentional, I can get some stuff. You know? And again, you got to combine and keep in mind that I said this this area, this this place is meant to make money. So that's always going to be a part of how it's set up. They want you to spend money in here. When you come in and you see this ornament for the brand new bow that looks like a freaking Velociraptor's mouth got ripped open or the Jotunir, which is an absolutely brilliant name for this thing. I really want that. I'm going to wait and see when it rotates down because it is beautiful. So, you know, I, I, it, it is meant to promote purchase. And you feel that pull whenever you look in here like, oh, man, I want to buy that. Just do your bounties, man. Do your dailies. Do your, uh, I'm sorry, do your weeklies and do your repeatables and just start stacking up. And, uh, yeah, it does look like Ray's Speeder from Force Awakens. Yeah. So. Street. You see Bungie infusing Gambit-style play into a raid? G- Gambit-style play? You mean like, you're being invaded? No, I don't think so. Bank those moats and summon a prime evil. I cannot see them doing that in a raid. <laughs> Guardian, down. Your team sucks. Head back to LFG. There's no way they would suddenly add that into the raid. It would be comical, but I don't think people would like that. Um, <laughs> like... Oh my gosh. Can you imagine matchmaking? I would, I might spend, you know, listen, you just gave me something that I want to do and I can't do it. Can you imagine being like, all right, guys, let's boot up. Let's do some matchmaking here. See how many raids we can disrupt today. And it just throws you into people's raids and you just, <laughs> and you're just ruining their day. You're ruining their day, chat. Oh my gosh. I would, listen, I would hate it, but I would kind of like it. I would be kind of funny, but also just terrible. That would be terrible, but also great. No, don't do it, but maybe try it. I don't know. I'm, I can't, that would be so bad. Um, Paddywhack with nine months of subs. Welcome back. Shadow Hunter, I thank you for seven. I think I did. Um, yeah, it would, that would be, that would be something else. 
Your team's a hero. <laughs> oh, man. Your teammate's a hero. Yeah. Melt that boss. That'd be fun. I don't think they would ever do that to raids, though. That would be very, very contrary uh, to everything. So, you, I, I, I can't see an execution of that that wouldn't just burn up in flames. Um, I think people would, people would really, really, uh, dislike it. So, Ninja Vanish emote, he doesn't actually vanish? <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, next question. Uh, Tin Man. Do you think shorter raids, uh, open up to more people with the longer ones I have trouble finding people that will stay to the finish of the longer raids I'm going to answer your question in two parts first I think it's a possibility that yes shorter raids do open it up to more people Uh, but the second part of my question is I don't think that that matters at the at this stage in the life of Destiny 2 if you're like man I'd love to raid but I just can't find anybody that wants to raid well number one I don't know where you're finding people use LFG you know what I'm saying if the people that you raid with are, are, are uncool with being in a raid for longer than an hour and a half to two hours and they want to grind out something that takes 30 minutes then they don't really want to play a raid you know um polished teams I mean we were we were running wrath of the machine with raffle winners in like 30 to 40 minutes it was ridiculous with hard mode challenge um you can definitely get to a place where you can polish these and run them quickly but I I don't I don't know if um if that's an important priority oh yeah we were let's make some smaller raids we really got to give people an inroad into raiding um I just I don't think I don't think that's like a huge need right now um because I, I definitely think that whenever whenever they're trying to create endgame content, aspirational content, I think something that we need to avoid, something that we need to avoid is diluting aspirational content with accessibility talk, okay? There's a lot of times people quote me and they misquote me. I am a champion of two things that I believe need to coexist. Accessibility to the casual and aspirational content for the hardcore. I believe both worlds, both philosophies need to exist in Destiny, and I believe we're really in a good spot for that. The difficulty spectrum on Nightfalls, Nightmare Hunts, Vex Offensive, those are all in such a good spot, and that is keeping two things in coexistence. There is an accessibility for the casual, and then there is aspirational content for the hardcore. Both these planets are orbiting around and not bumping into each other and canceling each other out or getting in each other's way. There's a humongous danger to looking at aspirational content and being like, no, we need to pull that down here and create accessibility. Uh, you know, f- f- we, we need to do that. I, I just, I don't think... I don't think that is a huge important thing in Destiny right now, especially if you're going to argue, oh, make smaller raids. If you showed me a pie chart and you said, okay, Lono, this pie chart represents all that we can do for a raid, okay? So here's a full pie chart, and a full pie chart is Garden of Salvation, Last Wish, Wrath of the Machine, King's Fall. Like, these are big raids. That's a full pie chart. Now, that pie chart gets smaller if you want us to build little raids in between. If you want us to build things like, like what did they build? They built Eater of Worlds. 
if you want us to build Eater of Worlds, well, we're going to have to take a slice out of the raid, out of the raid pie chart, right? Um, we're you are have to take a slice out of it, and if we take a slice out of it, then you're going to end up with something like Leviathan. Leviathan was, I think, hindered by the fact that they had planned raid layers. Think about it. Eater of Worlds has a boss. Spire of Stars has a boss. For all intents and purposes, those should have been bosses in Leviathan. Leviathan is a boring raid for that for that reason. You have very, very basic encounters that are very mechanically driven. Gauntlet, Gauntlet, Bathers, and the and the and the Castellum. Okay? Take those three and just ignore them. Because they're all very, very basic and pretty boring. Nothing really happening. They're very, very basic. Alright? You've got dogs, and you've got Callus's room. And that's, those are like the two sort of unique fights in Leviathan. I believe Leviathan's pie chart got slices taken out of it because they needed to allocate time to things like Eater of Worlds, or at least co- co-opting Spire of Stars to like have influence over it. So if Bungie came to me and said, which would you prefer? I'd say full pie chart every 12 months. Give me the full pie every 12 months. That's what I want. I don't want Leviathan. I don't want Eater of Worlds. I don't want those. You know, I, I, I think those are, even if people like Leviathan, it's got, it has to be, if you pulled the entire raiding community, it has to be one of the least favorite raids across the entire franchise. It's got to be near the bottom every time people pick them. It's got to be one of the least chosen. Just isn't that great of a raid? It's, and I honestly feel like that is in relation to the raid layer strategy. I think the raid layer strategy diluted Leviathan. They put less punch in there. They put less boss. They put less like razzmatazz. It's a really, really pretty game show. It's just stand here. Now you're not standing here. Move here. Okay. Now you're not standing here. Go stand here. I mean, that's what Castellum, that's what Bathers, that's what Gauntlet is. It's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of game show relay races that at at the at the bottom at the bottom of the of the result, um I just I don't think the result I just I don't think the result is a very, very good raid. And I honestly feel like when we look at their best raids, they're raids that they spend like an entire year working on. Last wish Garden of Salvation, Wrath of the Machine, King's Fall, you know. So I don't want I don't want them to do it. I just don't. We can have debates about what encounters are good, what encounters are bad. That's just my preference. Give me the full pie chart every 12 months, you know. That's what I want. 8 months from Cratic Elite. Thank you lurking around your stream with 3 months. Thank you. Uh, I think I thank Paddywhack for nine months. Thank you. Welcome back. Leviathan feels like a mini game. Yeah, I just I feel like I'm in a dadgum. Uh, I feel like I'm in a a, a freaking game show. I don't know, and I and I know, and I know that that's my 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 subjective opinion. But I do believe Leviathan would have been better if you would have been able to shove the Eater of Worlds boss and the Spire boss in there, and you could have cut Castellum. What? Castellum? If you could have cut Castellum, if you could have cut Gauntlet, if you could have cut Bathers, and and, and, and actually shoved in the the Eater of Worlds boss, 
the Eater of Worlds encounter before the boss, the the Spire boss, the encounter before the Spire boss, it'd have been a better raid. It'd have felt like Last Wish. So, that was the intent of the raid, though. Oh, I know, I know. We were performing for Callus, but I think it would have been better if they wouldn't have spread it all out. At the very least, if you'd have shoved Eater of Worlds, the final two encounter of Eater in there in place of like Gauntlet and Bathers, it'd be a way better raid. Why? Yeah, you're fighting bosses. You know, you're fighting bosses. It's more interesting. Uh, Lamillion. Whoops, I clicked the wrong spot of the thing. There we go. Um, wait, did I scroll too far? There we go. Do you think prestige difficulties for the big raids would be in the conversation if Bungie does less raids? According to Deej, there is one difficulty planned for Garden of Salvation, right? Now, that doesn't mean they can't do contest modifier or challenges and things like that. Unfortunately, after looking at the triumphs, it looks like we got Garden, and there'll be four challenges done through Hawthorne's bounty system, and those challenges start November the 5th. They'll run for four weeks, concluding November as a nice handoff to December. You're done with season of the Undying. You're, you're, you're done. They'll keep rotating the challenges, but that'll be it for new stuff. Meaning, I was thinking one raid challenge a season. Or, like what we said a little bit ago, maybe they'll do something every season with Garden that makes it change a little bit. I, You would have to do different versions, obviously, because if people wanted to run the old version, you'd want to leave it there. Uh, Forza. With the focus being getting 960 power to farm 980 activities for armor rolls, wouldn't have met... You already asked that question. Snake Eyes. What can they do to keep the raiding community engaged through year three? That's a great question. That's a really, really great question. So, Ultimate Maven's been going back and forth with people in chat. Says, look, I'm not trying to step on your toes. It's a difference of opinion with the, what the rest of the game feels hollow compared to the Eververse. I see it as a problem. That's all I'm saying. I think you have an interesting definition of hollow because the Eververse sells ornaments and the Lectern has a bunch of guns and a full armor set, and Vex Offensive has four guns and a full armor set, and the Raid has a full armor set and a bunch of guns, and Iron Banner had a full armor set, and the Season Pass had an armor set and an ornament uh, system to apply to it, and the Season Pass had an exotic gun and an exotic ornament uh, and an exotic uh, ship and an exotic emote, and it had ornaments for the two guns that you earn in it. Um, I, I don't really know how you look at the whole game and then look at a bunch of things that actually... Um, a lot of these gu- a lot of the things in the store were here before. A lot of these ornaments we've seen before. Like, I mean, some of these are we they're, they're things from past seasons that have been here for a while. Uh, you know, the, the, like this one. Oh no, that's a new one. I'm sorry, that's not the one I thought it was. Like emotes as well. You know, how does the presence of emotes and ghost projections make the rest of the game feel hollow? I'm actually genuinely curious. I could see somebody really wanting to see the exotic ornaments be earnable somehow, but ornaments for armor and then emotes and ghost projections and things like that. I just, I don't know how anybody can look through here and scroll through here and think that this makes the rest of the game feel hollow. There's really nothing of substance in here. It's just all vanity items. You're, you're free to have your opinion, but it'd be better to see you actually argue for your assertions instead of just making the claim that the Eververse makes the rest of the game feel hollow. 
I've been hanging out on the moon, doing lost sectors, doing nightmare hunts, doing the lectern, doing the grind, trying to get god rolls, doing vex offensive. I've been playing the content and getting drops and trying new things out and trying new builds out. I don't know what you've been doing, but that's what I've been doing. Yeah, and the premium track on the season pass is not Eververse. It's part of the season pass. Uh, Billy Schultz. Does the raid layer system not work since Forsaken? Having smaller 2-3 encounter raids since we got larger fleshed out ones uh, in Forsaken. I think you mean since Forsaken. Because Scourge of the Past and Crown of Sorrow were bigger than Eater and Spire. Um, Eater of Worlds and Spire of Stars were, you know, were smaller than Scourge and Crown of Sorrow. Um, I don't know. I, I would say does the raid layer system work anymore? I don't know if it ever worked that well to begin with. Let's just really, really be honest about, like, Eater of Worlds had nothing in it. It had two guns and and an armor set that didn't really look that great. And then Spire was the same armor set, slightly different, with two guns. Um, For a mid-year raid, part of me feels like, wouldn't it be better to have a much fuller loot pool in something else like I don't know the menagerie don't you I I don't to me menagerie was better than crown it was it rotated there was a bigger loot pool there was intentionality I don't know it's like if you're gonna build me crown of sorrow or menagerie which do I want probably menagerie I, I don't know these smaller raids with these smaller loot pools, just I don't think they're that interesting. Now, now that's subjective. That's Lono talking. There might be the raiding community that's like, you're out of your head, man. I would rather get Crown of Sorrow. What, are, what guns are you using from Crown of Sorrow would be my question. That's a bigger discussion, right? Raid loot's not been that interesting. It's, I think it's hard to argue, oh yeah, give us more raids when the raid loot's been so buh, like... You using that auto rifle? No. What I mean, what are you using from Crown? What was the freaking point in running it? Like, I don't know. Galrin's right hand, the shoddy's somewhat useful. Uh, there was so much more loot worth chasing in Menagerie. Menagerie just absolutely stands. It's like, like, look at this loot pool. Look at all the amazing rolls and guns. I, you know, I don't know. Anarchy was from Scourge though. The exotic from the small race seemed to be good. Well, Taraba was not. So, I don't know. Again, everybody's different. Everybody's everybody's different. I would much rather them just give me loopable content with a good loot pool than a raid with a couple of weapons in it. A small raid with a couple of weapons in it. Eater of Worlds Inspire. If we look at... You, I don't think it's fair to look at Crown of Sorrow because Crown of Sorrow was made by Vicarious Visions and Scourge of the Past was made when they had you know High Moon in and Vicarious Visions helping with stuff. So you can't count those raids. Spire was built by VV and even Spire only had like two weapons in it and then you had the you know Eater of Worlds with two weapons in it as well. I don't know, man. I just don't think those landed very well. They literally had to add stuff to them to make people care with the catalysts. Uh, Kakita Shigayuki says, do you know if there's any more Iron Banner planned for this season? I would think there would be an Iron Banner in November. Should be. Jet Boy. 
What would Bungie need to do to make the Lumina viable? Oh, I haven't really thought about this. Oh, dude, I'm gonna have to maybe just say pass. I I don't I can't come up with an answer for you. Uh, Dmax speeds. Do you think it's a problem that the community keeps asking for old stuff like more raids and trials instead of asking for innovation? This seems like a false dichotomy. I don't think people are asking for old stuff like more raids at the behest you know of no innovation give us trials and old raids and don't you dare innovate i don't think people are arguing that way i think people argue for a lot and it sounds like you're maybe projecting and reading into what they're asking for i if people want trials i would think they would want trials and then they wanted to be innovated upon and they would want it to be good and they would want it to be fun they would want it to be you know worth worth doing they wouldn't want it to just oh yeah bring back trials and don't innovate at all just kind of like just bring back how it was before um so feel like the lumina could be viable in 980 difficulties like the crota fight oh like buffing the guy before he runs up yeah 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 definitely could be that definitely could be a help um i could i could see them doing something like that i i could but i just i don't know like it's so fast and you're sacrificing a lot running lumina that whole that whole nightmare hunt you're running lumina instead of another exotic like divinity or izanagi's those set those those weapons seemed really really pivotal pivotal in the nightmare hunt now you might not run you might have one person run lumina just for that crota fight i don't know eknor do you think Bungie will be focusing on Vex offensive-like game modes more than the raid as they get more engagement from the community? Do you think they should bring back Nightfall loot and Heroic Strikes uh, as we will have reasons to do Nightfall like Ascendant Shards and high stack gear? Strikes are irrelevant. The answer to Strikes is um, Ikora's Bounties. Like, you're here an awful lot. You've heard... I'm amazed you haven't heard these answers from me before. Um... I have addressed the let's take Nightfall loot and throw it in strikes numerous times. I, you must not have caught it. They can't do that. They can't do that. That's a, that's a relevancy for Nightfalls that you don't want to take away. Strikes need their own relevancy. Don't rob from one hopper to make something else good. As you said at the end, which I've made the suggestion numerous times. Again, I'm amazed you haven't heard me say this. Zavala needs Ikora's system. So does Shax. They already have the tokens. They already have a currency. They gave Ikora a currency that you use to buy her bounties, right? And Shax and Zavala already have a currency. You're running Crucible, you're running Strikes, you're getting tokens. You use the tokens to buy weapon frames or armor frames, and then you just stay in the playlist. Make the gun, spits it out, cool, let me go do another one, let me go do another one, just over and over and over again, the same way you do Vex Offensive. That's an easy, easy fix for Strikes. You already have the currency. Just create the freaking bounty frame system that Ikora has and just throw it in the strike playlist. I really want Malicious Birthright. I hate that I have to wait for the Nightfall. Lake of Shadows Nightfall, where art thou? That's one of the biggest problems. I could get behind them offering more Nightfalls per week to not have that be so frustrating. You know, five Nightfalls a week and then you just rotate it. Next week, five different ones. So at the very least, maybe not in Nightfall the Ordeal, but just like in the nightfall for nightfall specific grind like have more available each week so that doesn't happen you have these long periods where you can't do it um charles edward cheese not sure if it's been asked but do you think that the overall scope of quality of raids will improve with the pivot to a new engine in future iterations of destiny 
you're asking if things will get better if they move into a big house. I mean, that's such a this is like a t-ball question, man. Like, like this is a softball. <laughs> like, would the overall scope and quality of raids improve with a pivot to a new engine? I, I would assume so. Yes. I mean, that's yeah. That's like saying, would PvP feel better if we were on dedicated servers? That's just kind of an obvious yeah. I mean, I that's questions like this kind of don't even need submitted. I'm not telling you not to submit questions, but it's like, come on, man. You know the answer to this question. You know. We all want them to go to a new engine. I can't see them going to a new engine hurting raids at all. If anything, I think raids struggle sometimes because of the old tech and because of peer-to-peer. Tether's not working, stuff glitching out, stuff lagging. You know, a lot of the Leviathan's problems seemed to stem from lag. If anybody was lagging in the group, it messed stuff up. And for whatever the dumb frick reason, they don't let us see people's connection bars anymore. We would get to Oryx, and almost every time we got to Oryx, I had a couple of people from other regions of the world that would go red bar at Oryx, and we would be like, leave and come back, and they would leave and come back, and it would fix it. And now, we have no idea if that's happening. Because some... Some silly, silly person at Bungie said, let's not let people see connection bars in PvE because, like, that freaking matters. Like, I would love to know if when we get into Encounter and Garden of Salvation's acting wonky, it'd be really nice to know if someone was Red Bar. We had guys Red Bar. Wob. Wob would Red Bar. We're like, Rob, you're going Red Bar. And you know what he would do? He would ask his sister to shut something off or he would go shut something off and it would fix it. Like, we need to know that. Like, no one's going to get connection shamed. We would be like, yo, your connection's having a problem. And they would leave and come back, and it would almost always fix it. Like, I get that in PvP, I I don't think Bungie liked us seeing that people were stomping PvP with a red bar, and it made us kind of suspect about how they were able to do that. So they took it away in PvP, because... It was there was nothing worse than playing Iron Banner and some guy with a red bar connection had like a score of five thousand and everybody else had like a two thousand. It's like how are you doubling the score of everybody in the freaking server and you're skipping around as a red bar? Well, he was probably cheating, and they just got tired of dealing with it. Anybody with a red bar was probably getting spammed with reports for cheating because there were lag switchers and throttlers in PvP that were red bar warriors. They were untouchable, and yet man, they don't miss any of their shots. Um, I think in PvE showing us connection bars would be massively helpful because I'm telling you nine times out of ten you get in a raid and stuff's acting wonky I, I bet you ten bucks somebody's lagging almost every time because it's like tethers aren't working what's happening what's going on and every once in a while you know who it is because they all of a sudden drop from the group and then we and then all of a sudden everything's good again and that happened in Leviathan. Do you guys remember Leviathan Prestige? We had people disconnecting. We had we couldn't see our loot. We couldn't see if you changed your loot, you'd have invisible guns and invisible arms and it would lag the group and then we would get disconnected. We had to go to orbit like five times the day they launched Leviathan Prestige. It was terrible. I just I, if they want to protect people with low quality internet, I you know whatever. I just there was clearly something going on in D1 raids when someone would red bar and it was really nice being able to know that because you could be like dude just go back and come back in and it fixed it almost every time um, so this question yeah a new engine and dedicated servers would fix a ton of those issues PHDJ do you think 
uh, we could see something like what we got in year one in Leviathan. Maybe we get a smaller raid layer or two. I mean, this is a question we had all morning. I mean, we that's, yeah, it could be something like that in the spring or something specifically inside the Garden of Salvation raid itself. Absent Cloud. Do you think having a weekly rotating raid playlist where the power level is 950 and drop pinnacle gear would be helpful and allow for the older raids to be used more? I mean... They could be holding that in their pocket and saying, I mean, because they could revisit the weapons, you know, they could revisit the armor and give them relevant armor slots. Because right now I don't want any Leviathan armor. People are like, but I'm getting 68s and 69s. Yeah, and you can't use undying mod slots, so I don't give a frick. If I want to run aspirational content like really, really challenging nightmare hunts or the raid, that armor does nothing for me. Now, it might be great for people running into PvP to get really, really high stats. I also think most of those people were mistaken. I think a lot of stuff was dropping from Leviathan. They were slapping a Discipline, Intellect, Strength, Recovery, Resilience, or Mobility mod in there, getting a plus 10, and being like, I got a 68 from Leviathan. Nope, you got a 58, and you don't understand how the system works. I mean, I had tons of people saying that, and then upon inspection of their loot, they are like, oh no, I was wrong, I have a mod on there. Um, Now, visually, they could show people a little bit more, like, hey... You know, your armor is actually a 58 and then a little plus sign and then the number from the mod so they would understand and never get confused about it. I mean, that would be kind of nice, but I, I think eventually people will understand it. Um, you know, Age of Triumph vibes, yeah, with rotating weekly. When they say that the summer of 2020 will be like no other time in Destiny, that could be the time that they bring that vibe of like all the raids matter, they rotate, their loot's been refreshed, you know... That, that could be something that they do. So, math is hard. It's not even that math is hard, Firstborn. It doesn't actually really show you what's going on. So, right here is a good example. Alright? Um... We, we've got we've got we've got a piece right here the tangled web gauntlets are a 51 alright and there's a resilience mod on there at quick glance unless you really really understand and you've really taken it in and have studied it which a lot of people haven't done you might be like oh I got a 51 nope you got a 41 you have a 41 that resilience mod's adding 10 if it said 41 plus 10 on the total and the 10 was like a yellow for like the mod and the mod, the resilience mod showed up as yellow or something, you know, it's kind of like when you go up here and you hold down trigger and you're like, oh, I'm actually 946 plus 14, you know, I, I do think that there's something to be said about the UI, maybe educating the player a little bit more. You could even go in here and say, um, well, th- those aren't, those aren't new pieces. You know, you could go to the Substitutional Alloy Plate, and when I come here, all of these, anything that adds plus 10 is like, maybe not this teal color, because that's the color of the artifact, but it could have a teal number. And you see that teal number, and you know when you highlight this armor, it does the same thing here. It's a white number plus the teal. And you would literally have no question in your mind. You'd be like, oh no, I don't have a 68, it's a 58, and there's a plus 10 teal, and I know where that teal's coming from. Because the teal, the teal number is assigned to, like right here, recovery would show up as teal. I have a 72. No, I don't. I have a 62. And then recovery would be teal. It would be 62 plus and have a teal number. That's not a huge deal, but you could even show that 10 teal could be represented as a teal color in the stat bar as well. Recovery could be showing that 16, but then the bar itself could have white and teal in it. 
that would be a really really nice quality of life UI update just very very passive and subtle education of the player base to understand what in the actual frick is contributing to their totals that's what dim does yeah I mean they could do a quality pass on the game and do that then um yeah masterwork does the masterwork colors exactly you guys are tracking with me I think that'd be a nice that'd be a nice quality pass it isn't necessary it isn't necessary but it would certainly be helpful uh Eknor. don't you think it's better to get full raid experiences like D1 raids where you got a full weapon set and it's divided into two difficulty levels in Garden of Salvation 7 out of 9 weapons are in the energy slot uh that's not freedom of choice I believe it's really they really need to go back to the old system your thoughts well Obviously, if you watch my Garden of Salvation review or my Raid Philosophy video, you're very familiar with the fact that the Raid loot has kind of uh, not been good. It's been pretty bad. And this is just one more iteration of that, okay? The analogy that I've used is if if you're on the highway and the speed limit is 70 miles an hour and you're like, Grandma, can you speed up? You're doing 35 in a 70. We're going to get run over right if she speeds up to like 50 50 miles an hour is still way too slow in a 70 now she sped up she moved closer to what she's supposed to be doing but it's not enough the guns in garden of salvation are just that up to now the guns have just not been good enough for aspirational content they moved a little bit toward where they should go they shrunk the perk pool of the raid weapons so each each possible lane you might not realize this if you don't use websites like light.gg you go to light.gg and in this lane where there's rampage there's only four potential perks and in this lane where there's shield disorient there's only four potential perks so they've really limited the amount of rolls you can get which honestly expedites you getting the roll that you want because there's less there's just mathematically less okay so that's nice okay but that's like grandma going 50 instead of 35 grandma would look at you and be like I sped up and you'd be like yeah you sped up but not enough so Bungie's looking at us like huh is that better no it's not better it's a teeny bit better it's better than it's better than how terrible it's been up to now but it's not good enough and then when you look at the distribution of the weapons themselves that adds credence to the theory that there could be more going on with garden there could be more weapons and things no heavy weapons say what now no heavy how did that happen you have a raid with no heavy what what how no rocket no grenade launcher not even a sword a crappy sword like I'm glad there's no sword um I think swords are trash they need to be energy weapons but um no rocket launcher no grenade launcher an opportunity to bring back like I don't know a really cool linear fusion or something there could be something coming with challenge and there could be something coming each season they could add things to garden they could add loot to garden of salvation yet no scout I mean anytime you do the kinetic energy energy you know flip you could say where's the kinetic scout there could also be kinetic hand cannon you know is there an smg there's yeah there's no smg so there's no there's no scout there's no smg and there's no heavy weapons there a machine gun there could have been a machine gun there could have been a rocket launcher there could have been a grenade launcher and there's none of that there's none of it i don't understand i just they're 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 missing arguably 
think of it this way if they're missing a scout and SMG that's two and then you could have a rocket launcher grenade launcher machine gun that's five we just need to find a sixth a sixth weapon and that could be two weapons per season for the next three seasons they just kind of add in there um there could be there could be what you could do a linear fusion so that, that's your sixth or just another connect or something so the, the missing scout the missing SMG and then you could add more you could add you could add you could get six Linear fusion, machine gun, rocket, grenade launcher. That's six total weapons that could get spliced up over the next three seasons. Two weapons a season for that would that would match the pattern of the raid layers. It was two weapons for every layer when they did Eater and when they did Spire. More encounters. Well, I mean, you could just you could just uh, add another chest, change the in- or change the encounters, like I said. Like, hey, Garden of Salvation's raid layer is in Garden of Salvation. It's go- you're going to go to the same rooms, but the encounters are totally different, and then the loot pool changes because you still got the armor potential drops, and then you got two new weapons that can drop, which would increase the likelihood of you getting. There is a bow. It's kinetic. Yeah, legendary trace rifle. Yeah. So you could easily say there's four potential drops in the raid, right? There's four potential drops. Two weapons, and then the armor keeps dropping. Two weapons, and then ornaments for the armor start dropping. I don't know. I mean, there, there's... I just think there's way more likelihood of them utilizing garden and garden loot pool as opposed to doing brand new raid. Because that would go hand-in-hand with raid layer. That would go hand-in-hand with having less bandwidth. Venom. I know you believe a raid isn't coming soon, but are you genuinely okay with it just being dungeons and other menagerie, vex, offensive EP activities in its place? I love the story as well, but I feel like a raid or some type of raid layer type of activity is part of Destiny's gameplay. No, I don't think so. I thought Eater of Worlds sucked and I thought Spire of Stars was annoying. They were fun for like a week and then we didn't touch them. And then curated loadouts was made Spire really unappealing. Eater of Worlds and Spire were not part of my weekly routine. Last Wish was not part of my weekly routine because the loot wasn't that impressive. Scourge and Crown of Sorrow were not part of my weekly routine. Garden of Salvation is part of my weekly routine. Why? I actually like it, and there's some good guns in there. There's some good potential weapons, and it's quicker. Last Wish had some decent potential weapons, but Last Wish just, I felt like it always just took too long. It was this huge commitment. It was, it was arduous. Eater of Worlds was never a part of my weekly ritual, and neither was neither was Spire. They were so small and so short, and the and the weapons were worthless. They were worthless. So I am totally okay with that. I am hundred percent fine with them saying we're going to invest in the rhythmic, more ritualistic daily, weekly activities as opposed to a raid layer every season that will be small and not be that impressive. Now, if they do stuff in Garden and they and they add weapons that are missing to Garden or they add ornaments, then I would potentially go in there because I like Garden of Salvation. But if I got to go over here to some small rinky-dink encounter for a couple of weapons and maybe a new armor set, man, oh man, those weapons better be freaking awesome. Because if not, I'm not going to go in there. And then the dilemma there is, is that once you get a couple of rolls, you're kind of done. That's a, that's the other dilemma is its relevancy is very short lived. Raid relevancy is already rough. I mean, it, people people get burned out and kind of move on pretty fast in general. I loved Eater of World. It hurts my uh, heart how much he hates it. I didn't dislike it. I'm, I didn't dislike it. 
it was short it wasn't worth I just don't think it was worth building it, it should have been it should have been included in Leviathan like two guns and and like basically two encounters it, it didn't it didn't feel worth building we're arguing we're arguing for poultry raid offering I like the encounters I think they're fun it was bad it was like what was what were the guns that were in there I guess Zenith was in there. Maybe I'm overstating, like, at least there was a good weapon. Wasn't Zenith in there? Zenith of your kind? At least Zenith was a good shotgun. Um, it just felt, it felt like a weak offering. I don't know. I mean, it was Zenith and, like, a the grenade launcher? Yeah. I think the biggest breakdown for me is always going to come to the loot. It's like, how, what is in there? Oh, that's it? And then they were static roll, weren't they? So it was just like, I'm done. I got them. Bye. Um, It's hard to remove the poor loot from the equation. Right. As it stands, I remember running Eater of Worlds and praising it. I was like, these are really fun encounters. I really liked the boss room. I thought it was dope. And then on the other end of it, I'm like, this is pointless content. This is pointless content. A grenade launcher and a shotgun. And the grenade launcher sucked. So what's the, why, why would I run this content? Like, why was this content created? And the armor? I mean, who gives a crap about the armor back then? There was no reason to get that armor. Unless you really thought it looked cool. It didn't offer you anything special. Yeah, and then they added Telesto Catalyst. Like, bleh. And they added, and then Prestige brought, did, when did they introduce curated role, curated loadouts? Was that with, was that with Eater Prestige or was that Spire Prestige where they brought that in? freaking curated loadouts dude yeah and what I pooted saying who's gonna use the zenith of your kind when EP shoddy was around as soon as EP shoddy showed up it undercut it undercut eater big time you ever use zenith if EP shoddy wasn't locked right well and at that time wouldn't have zenith been a power weapon because that was before that was double primary there, dude, there was just, yeah, it's it's drenched. It's drenched in pointlessness. Like, it just, that's why my memory of Eater is just like, uh, no one was running shotguns in the heavy slot back then. You were gonna, who's gonna run Zenith as their heavy, dude? Who? No one's gonna do that. That's why. Like, no one cared. Back then, you were running Curtain Call or, or Sins of the Past. You weren't going to run Zenith in your power slot. That's what, again, Eater of Worlds just was like, this is awful. It's a cool encounter, but like, that's all it was. Everyone was running uh, Curtain Call and and, uh, and Sins of the Past. There were so many things that made that content worthless. Now, if you could go back in time and somebody might be like, well, that's not fair, Lono. What about now with random rolls and there's better things in the meta and there's better things in the sandbox worth chasing? What if they gave you a raid layer with like two really, really good weapons? Would you care then? I would still struggle to care. I'd be like, there's four weapons in Vex Offensive. There's like six weapons at the lectern table. Why am I going to go into a raid content that's short for two guns? You know, like, why do they spend development bandwidth on that? That's the question I'm just going to keep coming back to. With their limited bandwidth, you want them creating some, you know, teeny little poultry raid layer with a couple of guns in it instead of a full raid layer or expanding garden and adding guns to garden would be better, I think. 
You have to take loot out of the equation, though, when discussing whether or not layers are worth it. I disagree. I don't think it's worth building a raid and getting everybody hyped up about a raid if you're going to throw two guns in there. That, that That's part of the problem with small raids. That's part of the problem with Scourge. That's part of the problem with Crown. It's a small loot pool. It just... I don't know. It doesn't feel... It doesn't feel... It doesn't feel worth the time. I don't know. Oh, where is Zer, by the way? Has our command updated? We can go stand and look at him because people like to see what he has. Is that updated? It doesn't say where he is. Tower. Okay. I'll just go and stare at him so people... Because people generally come to the directory looking for him. So we might as well be standing staring at him. Big Sirs. How would you feel if in the future, Bungie adds less raids per year, maybe one additional max, and pivoted towards more dungeons? I don't know if this is the if this is like a... a, a, a um, this doesn't feel like an option we need to have to choose between. I feel like we can kind of get both. One good dungeon a year, one good raid a year, and you could do difficulties for them, challenges for them, you know... I don't feel like these things are at odds with each other. We got Last Wish, and we got um, the the dungeon with Forsaken, and then we didn't get another one. And then the raids we got, again, were built by other companies and were kind of small. Ralph Slopes. They can break up raids into four uh, sections and then release each section each following day. No, I mean, no. I don't think you're going to get away with that. You can't you can't give a section of a raid a day. Can you imagine playing like the opening section of a raid and then that's it? You gotta wait? I don't think so. Dupless. This might be a little off topic, but do you think it'd be cool or a fun thing if they added a grunt birthday party confederate headshot effect and failsafe saying yay to every raid? Uh, I don't even know why you submitted that, Duplass. Orange is life. Like, what? why would they do that? That's so not Destiny. That's like an arcade game. Like, that's too not serious. We do dawning and Halloween events and stuff, and that's like, that's the extent of the non-seriousness of Destiny. Um, I thought my sound was busted, but I had a Q-tip in my ear, not my earbuds. What the heck? Um... Yeah, so he's got... These are all collection rolls. So if you have these, don't ever buy these. Geomags, Liar's Handshake, and Syntheseps. These are just the collection rolls, okay? Those are collection rolls. And if you don't have Suros yet. And I guess here, this can drop... Um, this can drop and be armor, obviously, and maybe have a potential decent roll. And it gives me Aeon save, of course. A 56 on Aeon. Yeah, that 56 would have been nice if it would have landed on something like a, a Doomfang or something. Um, but melee grants energy to nearby Aeon cultists. Like, why oh why? Um, yeah. Solid day for new players. Yeah, for new players, this isn't bad at all. Suros is fun, and Geomags and Liar's Handshake are actually two nice, really nice, uh, exotics. The grunt effect was in both Halos and Bungie. Worked on effectively. I think you can have in the Last Wish Raid. It's very on brand for Bungie. It's not on brand for Bungie. Bungie's been in this franchise for five years and has never done anything like that. Confetti going in the air and failsafe saying yay? What are you talking about? Like, that that's not on brand for Bungie. For half a decade, this is the game that they've been making. Like, that, that doesn't, that's not something that we would do, I don't think. 
Zur is a joke in D2. Zur is not here for you. Zur is here for new players. It's here for it's it's here for uh, new players. Last Wish had it. They did that in Last Wish. Those are all the Last Wish wishes. What are you talking about? It sounded like he wanted something with confetti coming out and failsafe saying yay, a birthday party. A grunt birthday party confetti headshot effect. What are you talking about? Confetti on headshots was a wish option in Last Wish? I did not know that. That just seems silly to me. They did that during, I thought they did that during the Christmas event. Where like when you shot them and there was like a confetti effect. The wishing wall has that exact thing for Last Wish. I didn't even know that. I just, I heard failsafe saying yay whenever you killed someone with a headshot. And I'm like, that's like got to be one of the cheesiest things. I wouldn't want to hear that every time I shoot something. It's a Halo Easter egg. Oh, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, sh- it, that just doesn't seem like something we need right now. I, I don't, I don't. They all said Drifter voice lines as an option. I didn't know any of that. I, I don't know. Birthday confetti and failsafe saying yay just seems... I don't know why you would... I I don't know why we would need any of that right now. I don't know. It was super annoying with that on in Last Wish. I wouldn't want that. That just seems so weird and way out of left field. Um... Saying in a raid, should Bungie add an LFG raid easier with tuned down loot? Nope. Beat it or get out. I don't. I don't want any aspirational content dumbed down for you or anybody else. If you don't, if you can't beat it, sorry. That raids aren't for you then. Like I'm, I'm not entertaining that anymore. I'm not entertaining the idea that they should dumb down raids for you. Raids aren't even that hard once you understand the mechanics. They really aren't. Get it, Delta, and pay attention. Like seriously, uh, they're not easy, but they're not hard. They're not so hard. There's an impetus to dumb them down. I would never say they're easy. But they are not so, they're not hard enough that there's like an imperative on Bungie to dumb them down for you. Like, seriously. Like, pay attention and stop dying. Like, it ain't, like, a lot of the raids come down to the fact that you are, listen, listen, and I mean this with love. A lot of the reason people fail in raids is because they're lazy dum-dums. They play Destiny all day long as a lazy dum-dum. You can stand there lead-footed and let stuff shoot you and not pay attention to survivability and just kind of like let the, let the television beams just wash over you as you just kind of sit there and just pop heads and just kind of just sit there as a lazy, lead-footed dum-dum. Destiny allows you to play that way, and there's nothing wrong with it, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's fun. It's satisfying, right? You go into a raid and you play as a lazy, lead-footed dum-dum, and you will die a lot. Why'd you die? There's always an excuse from the lazy, lead-footed dum-dums. They're not paying attention. That's why they died. And instead of admitting that, there's always an excuse, right? Whenever I was dying in Garden, I was like, I'm dumb. I shouldn't have done that. I pushed and wasn't ready yet. Like, not paying attention to your, to your, you know, your revive, your recovery, you know, getting into cover. They don't have any of that in their brain. There's none of that in their brain. Why? Because they played Destiny for years and just stand there and let enemies shoot them. You know? They just stand there and let enemies shoot them because a lot of times you you can do that. You know? Who was supposed to clear ads? That's your job? Right. Or their stone? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I forgot to bank a bunch of times. And that's on me. 
right? And I was like, oh, I was like, I'm an idiot. I wasn't paying attention, right? Owning it, it's your fault, you know? But I just think Destiny as a game is really appealing because any Tom, Dick, and Harry or Susie or Sally can jump in and play it, right? And, and anybody can jump in and play it. And it creates a lot of lead-footed dum-dums. It's just really easy to just stand there, lead feet, not paying attention, just easily just bam, 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 getting headshots. Ooh, yay. And then you go into a raid and you can't play that way. You got to watch your health bar. You got to go into cover. Uh, 16 months from roadie, thank you. The, 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 the advice I started giving people was like, play like you're in trials and you're low health. Like, be aware of that and hide. You would be amazed how much better you would play in a raid if you just pay attention to your health and hide. So many times people buy into false urgency. They're like, oh, I, I had to stand there. There was ads coming. It's like, no, you didn't. Go hide, recover. You got time. Like, you have seconds to recover. You, the, 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 the raids are not won by, like, a threaded needle like that, you know? And, and yeah, and some people have really bad loadouts. But in general, that's why I would never, ever, ever dumb down a raid. I just wouldn't. Once you're at Delta and you know what you're doing, they are not they are not easy, but they're also not hard enough to justify them being dumbed down. Uh O King Reaper, thank you so much for two months. Um What's trials, Kappa? What uh what is everything that you would change about this game if you worked for Bungie? I'm not answering questions like that, that's too broad. Thrally. Where, uh, where do you see raid loot? Rabbit hit pulse from garden, one extra perk, levy guns. They had two perks, the rest had one. Pinnacle perks are unique archetypes. This question is just really written. I mean, this is just, this is like, uh, it's like you shook the, the boggle board and a bunch of words popped out. Where do you see raid loot? And then you say rabbit hit pulse, one extra perk, pinnacle what are you asking thrally like come on guys like actually read your question out loud maybe before hitting submit um i think what you're asking is where should they go right should they go to where like levy had the extra perk compared to everything else in the game or pinnacle perks are unique archetypes like acrius legendary shotgun right I think unique archetypes is a tall order, okay? A tall order every time they do a raid to be like, make unique archetypes, make shotguns and pulses and things that don't exist. I think the easiest thing to do is to just use Wrath of the Machine as the blueprint, right? Wrath of the Machine is a blueprint. Genesis Chain, Chaos Dogma, Steel Medulla, they all had perks that complemented each other. I'm not saying that Wrath had the absolute best guns in the game at the time or that those those guns were perfect, but they have the right idea and the right spirit. The spirit of those guns is you you get something you can't get anywhere else. It's a synergistic perk. So, an example that I would give is Outlaw Desperado on a Redrix. That's kind of like Focus Firefly or triple double or whatever they put on 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 the on the scout like stuff like that my raid group's motto is here for a good time not a long time if it starts getting frustrating we go to orbit and play some crucible to break it up a bit it helps refresh the group's motivation to actually play the raid and not get lazy leading to unnecessary deaths etc right like a lot of the times raiding doesn't even come down to like i'm not very good at the game it you do not need to be a speedrunner to be good at raids, right? You don't need to be gigs or glad or any of those guys. Like, you can play raids perfectly fine. Just stand in the right spots, shoot pretty 
reasonably easy targets to shoot and then do the right thing at the right time is a lot of what, what it comes down to and not standing there with lead feet you know and letting stuff kill you you know Foxtrot of all the weapons I have the hardest time understanding what's a good role for is fusion rifles or linear fusion rifles and why that is because you help me out with this I typically don't use them uh, don't use linear fusions because they're bad it's basically a really not super strong sniper rifle in your heavy slot they're garbage um, fusion rifles can be really good generally for fusion rifle I think one of the go to perks all the time is auto loading uh, because it's a great perk to have on a weapon that you're going to pull out situationally. You always pull it out. It's always ready to go. Okay. So auto loading is just a great perk. Anytime you get a fusion rifle, look for auto loading. After that, some people like backup plan. I don't think backup plan is needed on the raid fusion because the raid fusion's rapid. It shoots really, really fast. So uh, like backup plan's not really needed. Now backup plan on the fusion rifle that you can get from Eris at her rune table, the lectern. Backup plan auto loading on that would probably be pretty good. Another perk that I think is really, really good is the one that makes them more susceptible uh, to it's uh, disruption. I think is what they call it. disruption break. I actually think disruption break is largely overlooked and it's actually really, really strong. Breaking enemy shields with this weapon makes them more vulnerable to kinetic damage for a brief period. I feel like maybe somebody needs to crunch the numbers on it because I do. I feel like disruption break makes them take tons of damage after, not just from kinetic. It, it could be my imagination, but anytime I was using disruption break in the master nightmare hunt, I felt like the wizards were just getting absolutely destroyed after their shield was gone. Some of that could just be their health thresholds. Maybe they don't have a whole lot of health anyway. But I feel like Disruption Break is a largely overlooked perk on fusions. And if you're pulling that out and you're popping shields with auto-loading, it feels really, really nice. That's also a reason to switch back to your primary because now all of a sudden they're more susceptible to kinetic. Um, Outside of that, a very general thing to look for is just range range on a fusion is really nice it's going to be nice in crucible it's going to be nice in pve but i think in pvp i'm sorry i think in pve in pve content auto loading and disruption is a really really great combo auto loading and backup plans a good combo auto loading and rampage is a good combo it's always ready to go you get one kill and then it's going to get pretty strong those are all things that make fusions viable i think i think fusions are in a decent spot uh they're not as bad as they used to be Shotguns still seem really, really strong because they're so fast. Gecko. Um, do you think that they should bring back D2 static raid rolls or armor as um, as random ones make previous DLC weapons able to mod? I don't understand what you're saying here. Random ones... Um, hang on. Do you think they should bring back D2 static? Oh, the, the old static stuff as random ones and make them take mods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like they're going to do this eventually. I feel like they're holding that in their hat. Right? They're holding that in their hat. They're saying, you know what? We could bring back those raids and their guns and do all kind of different stuff with the armor. I feel like they could do that. Cruxley. What if instead of raid layers, Bungie reskins some existing raid bosses with different... They, they wouldn't be able to charge money for that, Crux. See, we already had that question. Commander Tyke, off topic, but do you think Destiny 2 will ever reach the point where you like it more than Borderlands 2? I think right now I probably play this more and like this more than I liked Borderlands 2. Borderlands 2 is probably one of my all-time favorite games still because it 
it made me think differently about playing for long periods of time and playing you know looter shooters with my friends borderlands 2 like was a catalyst for me to get into destiny um so but i i i think now in the grand scheme destiny 2 is at a point where i like it more and play it way more than i ever played borderlands 2 it's not even really a competition anymore Destiny 2 is really in a great place and it's heading to even better places i think uh what are good roles for the duty bound it's a static role it's relics do you believe most exotics are lackluster and maybe don't deserve the title exotic do you think legendary weapons seem to outshine them they do and still do that was admitted to in the TWAB on September the 26th that legendary weapons outshine exotics especially legendary primaries that was supposed to change this season and they they didn't really do that um they helped uh they helped but they, they they exotics are still not in a good place you should be able to run the artifact mods on them um recluse needs addressed because recluse is still better than literally every exotic primary in the game People that argue about the recluse needing nerfed never address that. It's like, why is it okay for you to have a, a, a legendary SMG that's literally the best primary in the game? Like, it's better than all the exotic primaries, and it can run artifact mods. Like, it's got a lot. It's got a lot going for it. So yeah, exotics need help in general. Nine months from deck. Thank you. Welcome back. Resident Recon. Do exotics need buffed across the board? I mean, they're trying Sunshot and Promet- uh, and Graviton lands. They tried to make them stronger. They didn't touch Rampage on, on Huckleberry. They're attempting to do that. They're attempting to buff them, and it didn't work quite. I, I would be running Huckleberry with Anti-Barrier probably sometimes. It'd be fun. I would be running Sunshot or, well, Graviton's Pulse. Like, that's another thing they messed up on. Pulses and Scouts can't even use the Dadgum Artifact mod. They've got to adjust. Exotics are still outclassed by legendaries, and they did it on their own. They literally made it to that. Le- I mean, Bungie's like, "Hey, legendaries are outshining exotics. We're gonna make exotics more viable." And then Bungie, at the same time, is also like, "Oh, by the way, uh, here's a way to make your guns stronger in the end game to face champions." And exotics can't do that. Like, wait, in the same breath, you just chopped exotics right back down again. I, it was an oversight. I believe it was an oversight. Exotics should be able to slot the artifact mods. They should. Um, I would even wager to say that exotics should be able to slot them regardless of if they're an auto-rifle scout or a pulse. Do you think Bungie should go back to D1-style raids? Raids that are less mechanically convoluted and more simplified like Vog, Crotazen, and Kingsfall? To argue that Kingsfall is not uh, mechanically is not mechanically driven is a misunderstanding of Kingsfall. Um, now, you're saying mechanically convoluted. I, it sounds like you're just wanting to use a fancy word. There's nothing mechanically convoluted about any of the raids in D2. Like, mechanically focused, sure. They're mechanically focused, but they're not mechanically convoluted. They make sense. They're logical. They're easy to understand. Um, the, the word convoluted has been thrown around a lot lately by some people in chat. Like, I don't... To quote the Princess Bride, you keep using that word. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Like, (laughs) mechanically heavy, sure. Now, again, I think you're missing, you're misapplying even that because King's Fall is just all mechanics. You literally kill Oryx with bombs instead of damage. Um, Every encounter, I mean, the, the, the totems, you know, the totems are very mechanically heavy. And you you have to do a lot in every fight that's, that's mechanics based so I think there's room for mechanically heavy raids I do I don't think every raid should be Wrath of the Machine 
throw a ball, throw a ball, throw a ball, bake. You know, throw a ball, shoot the cannon, throw a ball, shoot the candles, bake. Like, not every raid should be like Wrath. Um, and I love Wrath. Wrath is the best raid in Destiny. Nothing has topped it yet. Nothing has offered everything Wrath has offered. Extra drops, rerolling the armor, internal currency, reason to run it more than three times, clutchable fights, intensity levels. Nothing comes close to it. But even as much as I like Wrath, I don't want every raid to be Wrath. I think there's places for mechanically heavy encounters. Or a blend of both. Shuro Chi, where you're chasing her and stuff, Shuro Chi is a blend of intensity, mechanics, and speed. Like you're keeping up, you're running, you're chaining supers. Then you gotta slow things down and solve a puzzle on the wall, you know? And then you gotta like jump and time your jumps with those spinning stupid bowls, you know? Like, Shuro Chi is a good blend. And then you get to a really, really good, a really, really good encounter that kind of brings some intensity and like, oh no, as well as a lot of mechanics is the vault in Last Wish. It's a great encounter. Morgath is a, is a, is a cheesable big punching dummy and Riven gets cheesed by everybody. And the heart, the heart sequence in Last Wish just isn't needed. It's, you know, it feels kind of silly. And Callie can be kind of, she, you know, Callie's. Callie's good, but Callie, again, is an opening encounter, so opening encounters kind of become throwaway, and that's okay. I think opening encounters becoming throwaway is is not a big, is not a huge deal. Um, the only thing that has convoluted in terms of mechanics has been the Forge Emblems and Niobe Labs. Yeah, or the clues in Niobe Labs. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't, I, I like the fact that every raid is different. I think they're making good raids if I don't like some of them. Does that make sense? I don't like Leviathan. That's probably that's probably a good thing. There should be raids where you're like, yeah, I didn't like that one that much. That means they're creating a, a lot of different raids. You know, if I liked every raid, I think that'd be a problem because like I have my own sentimentality and my own preferences. And if they're always building raids that Lono loves, then I think that's a problem. I go into raids and highlight certain things and dislike certain things and kind of come out on the other end and Garden of Salvation is the closest thing we've gotten to a raid that I think offers a great experience and loot's getting better. The loot's still the weakest part. Uh, Schmo XBL. I'm sure you went over this already, but I just got here. Should Zer sell random rolls to make him more relevant for older players besides Faded? Nah, it's not what he's here for. That's not what he's here for. There's not enough new exotics to justify that. Now, if you here's here's what he needs to offer. I've outlined this idea before. By the way, if you've never been here before and you're enjoying your stay, remember to click the follow button. Just make sure to, to hit the heart button if you haven't already. If you've already clicked the heart button, don't click it again. That'll unfollow me. Uh, that allows you to submit questions and talk in chat. So if you're enjoying the show, that's a free way to support it. Thank you very much. Here's what I think they need to do, Zer. Zer should have another menu, right? Another menu and I scroll over or a coin that I buy and I end up in the collection screen. Either way, I should end up in a screen that looks like this. Whether I come here into collections or I do it in Zer's menu. And then, honestly, no. It, sh- it shouldn't have anything to do with guns. It should just be armor because guns don't have rolls. It's just the armor screen, okay? And as a titan, I come to Zer and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to apply the token or I'm going to buy the exotic finder card for one-eyed mask and it's costly and I buy it and then for that week I have the one-eyed mask token or card or whatever the frick and then I grind nightfalls like a crazy person and then every time an exotic drops 
it's basically almost a guaranteed, almost a guarantee to be the one-eyed mask. And I grind for a god roll on the one-eyed mask. Now, I can only do that if I already have the one-eyed mask. I think there's a dance between pumping him full of a currency or, or, or glass needles for god rolls, chasing a god roll exotic, I think needs to be a thing, and I think that's how you do it. Glass needles is a little too like, eh, just pump enough currency into a piece of exotic equipment and you're going to get a god tier roll. That's a little too transactional. I buy something from him, I go into the nightfalls, and I farm for a god roll, one-eyed mass shards, Orpheus rig, whatever the frick. And then everything else he's doing is just a backstop for everybody else. Hey, you're a new player. These are some great exotics. Orpheus, um, I'm sorry, or, you know, uh, uh, this week, Suros Regime, Liar's Handshake, and Geomags. And all of them have pretty basic roles because that's kind of how that is, right? That's kind of how that is. They shouldn't be able to buy a god roll. And then, like, this is your, hey, you know, maybe faded Ingram and it dropped to me, you know, dropped a pair of, you know, gauntlets for me that I was, I had zero interest in. That's what I would do with with Zer. Is you could say, "This is what I'm looking for. Give me, let me, let me buy it, and then you know, make it expensive. It should be like, this is a it's 97 legendary shards for this. Make it like 200 legendary shards. Like make it really expensive. It's like it's meant for the end game grinders. It's not meant for, you know, casual Charlie with a couple hundred legendary shards. It's meant for the people with you know, a couple thousand who play all the time." Uh, what is the best raid to do for a beginner? I would say one of the best raids to do as a beginner would be Eater of Worlds. It's short. Everybody can kind of see each other. It's real easy to probably teach that fight. Um, I think Eater of Worlds would be a great place to start. Very, very short. Real, real easy to kind of see. It's very visual. You know, it's very visual. And people could show you the way by just sort of calling things out. Leviathan is 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 easy for people that know how to do it but it's so mechanically heavy it's easy to get lost in leviathan um most people say scourge yeah i would say scourge scourge is there too because scourge is just follow these guys and kill stuff so much of the time so much of the time in scourge follow these guys and kill stuff same thing in 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 eater of worlds stand here and kill stuff is really all you have to do and then join us for damage. We'll call where to go. Scourge or Eater, Eater of Worlds is very like, yeah, you don't have to do much. We'll take care of it. A team could really could really take you through those raids, I think, in a eh, pretty good way. And you and and you could learn the roles. I think the worst raid to take you in brand new would be Last Wish. Um, and then after that, you know, Leviathan and Garden. I think Garden would be pretty Garden's actually there's some there's some things you can do in garden that's very much just follow me and kill stuff you can do that in garden too garden's really fun i think garden of salvation is the best raid in destiny 2 personally um last wish is there but like i didn't like last wish um so i think last wish was the king up till now and i think a lot of people are saying they like garden more just because there's a fun factor in garden it's it's got a wrath of the machine feel four quick encounters boom 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 you know when i'm doing when I'm doing the teleporting and I'm running back and forth and recharging people and helping with the angelics, that's ah, fun. It, it brings back, it's a little, it's oh, it's, it's, it's like wrath. It's a little bit like wrath. We're clutching, we're saving each other, you know? It's, it's, it's got, garden has a really good feel to it. 
short. When you fail in garden, the most failed encounters, you you don't feel like, are you kidding me? We got to start all over. Now the end you do. The, the boss fight you definitely do. <laughs> you get good damage. You get good damage and you're like, oh frick, we got to go to a third damage phase. Yeah, that, that, that wipe hurts. That wipe hurts. But generally a lot of the other encounters if you're wiping eh, it's not a big deal you're jumping right back in the fights aren't that long it feels it feels good wrath was the same way you wiped and you're like eh, no big deal i mean we hadn't even done damage yet who the frick cares like the fights were so fast uh, the fights were so fast the worst wipe in wrath was siege engine you get all the way to the end and you can't you're like can you get it can you get it can you get it in you know sounds like prom night you know can you get it in i can't see anything it's too bright and then you all wipe and you're like ah (laughs) the siege engine was the worst wipe in in wrath because you got really far and then to start all the way over you know so that's gonna do it for questions guys 49 questions if you're here live right now i'm not shutting the stream down we're gonna keep streaming and discussing uh as always, kidding follow is a free way to support the stream. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. As always, please like, share, and subscribe.